My name is Alain Pellet. I am a professor of the international law in the University of Paris, uh, Paris West, and I am a member and former chairman of the International Law Commission of the United Nations. So the, I will try to introduce you to the uh, very important topic of responsibility in uh, international law. We will have a wide view of this, uh, while it is in fact a very technical uh, issue. As uh, Paul Rotter, who was a very well-known French professor, remarked, quote, responsibility is at the heart of, the interna of international law. It constitutes an essential part of what may be considered the constitution of the international community. Responsibility interacts with the notion of sovereignty and affects its definition while reciprocally the omnipresence of sovereignty in international uh, relations inevitably influences the conception it's, uh, of international responsibility itself. At the same time, this view has profound, uh, profoundly evolved together with international law itself, of which responsibility is the necessary corollary. The best proof of the existence and the most credible measure of its effectiveness. It too has become diversified and more complex as a result of the developments which have affected the international society. However, even though certain similarities have been in part confirmed, international responsibility retains its marked specificity when compared with systems of responsibility in domestic law. So, I will first introduce responsibility as the necessary corollary of flow. Then we will try to find a definition for this multifaceted notion. Let's go first to the uh, idea that responsibility is the necessary corollary of flow. And we can say that in absence of responsibility, you cannot speak of law and, of course, of international law. In an often quoted formulation, Charles de Vichet, who was a very well-known uh, Belgian international lawyer, described state responsibility as the, quote, necessary corollary of the equality of states. However, it is possible, I would suggest, to go further. In the international legal order, it is, necess it is uh, the necessary cor corollary of not only of the equality of states, but of flow itself. And quote again, if one attempts to deny the idea of state responsibility because it allegedly conflicts with the idea, idea of sovereignty, one is forced to deny the existence of international, uh, an international legal order. Uh, this, uh, these were the words of Roberto Ago, the very well-known prof uh, Italian professor who was also the special rapporteur uh, of uh, the subject of responsibility in the, uh, in, uh, the International Commission. In other words, no responsibility, no law.
Of course, it is possible to debate endlessly the criterion or criteria of flow. The question of whether or not one is in the presence of a legal norm or legal order is a very debated and open question. Although Anzilotti, another very uh, famous Italian professor of the past uh, century, although Anzilotti expressed the view that, quote, the existence of an international legal order postulate that the subjects of which duties are imposed should equally be responsible in the case of a failure to perform those duties, end of quote, it may be too extreme to identify these, these criteria with the existence of a system of responsibility. Since it is possible to conceive of normative systems, say law, which contain no system of responsibility. For, insta for instance, this is a case in relation to certain constitutional systems, in relation to which the only consequence of the violation of their rules is a purely political sanction. Similarly, for example, under French civil law, a failure to comply with one of the natural obligations, as we call them, does not in entail the uh, responsibility of the author of the omission. On the, other, on the other hand, conversely, there can be little doubt that the maxim ubi responsibilitas ibi use holds true, where in a normative system the violation of rules results in foreseeable consequences, there can be no doubt that the system in question can be qualified as a legal one. The remark of Charles de, Charles de Vichere, which I have uh, just read, also leads to a further observation. While as a matter of the domestic law of some states, public authorities historically enjoyed and may still enjoy a certain immunity from responsibility, such a situation is entirely inconceivable on the international level. level. The maxim, the king can do no wrong, le roi ne peut mal faire, the uh, foundation for this irresponsibility of the state long reflected the domestic law of the states of Western Europe during the time of their emergence and consolidation. However, the transposition of such maxim to the international sphere is excluded. To some extent, this is an echo of the double meaning of the word or the concept of sovereignty, depending on whether one is looking at the national or inter uh, looking at the, uh, the concept from the national or uh, international point of view. Within the state, sovereignty denotes the supreme and unlimited power of the state. In its external aspect, the sovereignty of the state uh, is confronted with the equally sovereign status of other states, and responsibility is the inevitable regulatory means through which that conflict 
is mediated and through the mechanism of which the rights of each state may be, may be opposed to those of all others. In other words, the rights of each state limit the rights of all the others in the international spheres. To paraphrase another famous formula, uh, which uh, was, you can find in the first judgment by the Permanent Court of uh, International Justice in the Wimbledon case, far from constituting, quote, an abandonment of its sovereignty, the incurring of responsibility by state is an attribute of state sovereignty. In the same way that the responsibility of the individual is the consequence of his or her liberty. It is because the state is sovereign uh, and as a result coexist with other entities which are equally sovereign that the state can engage and does engage its own responsibility at the international level and can invoke the consequences of the responsibility of others. And uh, I quote again uh, from the commentary of the ILC on the articles of, uh, on state responsibility, quote, it is a prerogative of sovereignty to be able to assert its rights. The counterpart of that prerogative is the duty to discharge its ob ob obligations. These observations constitute the first steps toward a definition of responsibility in international law without, however, in themselves providing a definition. This is so especially since international responsibility is not limited either rationae personae solely to states, other subjects of international law may equally uh, engage their international responsibility, nor ratione materie, since uh, uh, that is, it is not limited only to cases of breaches of international law. So let's now see, w discuss the traditional definition of international responsibility. Although hardly distinguishing between the responsibility of individuals and that of the states, Grotius, our common father for international lawyers, Grotius nevertheless admitted that from an injury caused, quote, there arises an obligation by the law of nature to make reparation for the damage, if any, be done. That formulation formed the very basis of international re responsibility until relatively uh, recently. Simplifying, as was often his way, Vattel formally assimilated and limited responsibility, although this was a word that Vattel did not use, limited responsibility to the obligation to make reparation responsibility equal obligation to make reparation. This classic theory 
which is still sustained by certain authors, and uh, in particular, largely at the beginning of the 21st century, still by French uh, international lawyers mainly. This classic theory was clearly expressed by Anzilotti, whom I quote again. The wrongful act, that is to say, generally speaking, the violation of an international obligation is thus accompanied by the appearance of a new legal relationship between the state to which the act is imputable, which is obliged to make reparation, and the state with respect to which the unfulfilled obligation existed, which can demand reparation." End of quote. That observation is, is echoed in the famous dictum of the permanent court, even if it uh, does not necessarily follow from it, that responsibility is limited to an obligation to make reparation. And then I quote the permanent co uh, court in the factory at Chosov case. It is a principle of international law and even a general conception of law that any breach of an engagement involved an, involves sorry, an obligation to make reparation." End of quote. This strictly, I would say, private civil, civil law approach, exclusively relating to interstate relations, corresponded well to the demands of the so-called Westphalian international society which was char characterized by the presence of competing sovereign states. Only states had a place in that society, and the conceptions which they elaborated of their sovereignty, and which was encouraged by predominantly, uh, predominantly positivist views of others, this conception then excluded anything resembling a criminal sanction which would necessarily have implied some form of constraint. Further, the absence of any form of transfrontier solidarity or an awareness of the possibility that they could exist favored this purely bilateral and interpersonal approach. In this system, quote, other states might have an interest that reparation should be made for the international wrong and the international legal order restored, but they do not have right to that effect." End of quote. Uh, still, it was a quote from Anzilotti. Uh, uh, so, they did not have right to this, that effect because they had suffered no injury. Injury constituted, together with a failure to respect the law, a necessary con condition for the incurring of responsibility. At the same time, any idea of fault on the part of the state was clearly excluded, not only because, uh, as they said in Latin, societas delinquere non potest, but diplomatic usage and the necessities of coexistence of equally sovereign entities would not have been accommodated. If a violation of international law had caused damage, reparation 
had to be made for it. In the absence of any specific requirement of a mental elements in terms of the primary obligation, it is only the act of the state that matters independently of any attention, as says a commentary of the Articles of State's Responsibility by the International Commission. Now, let's go to more contemporary approach of responsibility and to the now complex definition of a multifaceted notion. It remains true today that a breach of international law must be objectively ascertained without having regard to the reason which might have motivated its author at least so long as a rule violated does not itself require that the act in question has been committed with a certain state of mind, as is the case, for example, with the genocide or with crimes against humanity, where intent is a condition for the breach. However, on the other hand, the very notion of responsibility has been drastically modified as a result of a tripartite evolution which reflects that of international law itself. And uh, it is no longer reserved only to states and has become an attribution of the international legal personality uh, of other subjects of international law. Second, it has lost the, the responsibility, it's lost its conceptual unity as a result of the elimination of damage as a condition for engagement of responsibility for breach. Since, and it is a third point, the common point of departure, which it shared with liability for acts non-involving a breach of international law has disappeared, this common point of departure was injury or damage. Let's go to the first point, the diversif diversification of persons who may be responsible. According to the traditional definition, public international law was exclusively a, quote, law between states, an interstate law. Being the only subjects of international law, states were the only entities which were capable of uh, incurring responsibility on the international plane as a result of, breach, of a breach of its rules. With the diversification of the subjects of international law and the recognition of a certain measure of international legal personality to other uh, entities, that monopoly of states has disappeared. Responsibility is, at one and the same time, both an indicator and the consequence of international legal personality. Only a subject of international law may be internationally responsible. The fact that any given entity can incur responsibility is both a manifestation and the proof of uh, its international legal personality. In its very famous advisory opinion on reparations to the United Nations, the International Court of Justice 
arrived at the conclusion that, quote, the United Nations is an international person, end of quote, principally as a result of the fact that, quote again, its members, by entrusting certain functions to it, with the attendant duties and responsibilities, have clothed it with the competence required to enable those functions to be effectively discharged." End of quote. And the court continued that, as a result, quote again, it is a subject of international law and capable of possessing international rights and duties, and that it has capacity to maintain its rights by bringing international claims, claims, and end of quote again. Consequently, the UN can invoke the responsibility of states, but equally it may itself engage its own responsibility in their regard. Accordingly, from the moment that organizations exercise legal competences and the same type or, uh, as those of states, it seems logical that the same consequences should attach to the actions of both and uh, of both one and the other. Uh, as it was written by a Belgian professor, uh, Pierre Klein, an important work in French on responsibility of international organizations. At the same time, they uh, quote uh, subjects of flow in any legal system are not uh, necessarily identical in their nature or in the extent of their rights, and just as the legal personality and rights and duties of an international organization are not the same as those of a state, this was a quote from the International Court in, uh, in its uh, 1949 uh, opinion. Similarly, the mechanisms of responsibility which are applicable to states may not necessarily be transposed anti and unmodified to, unmodified to international organizations. In reality, it may be admitted that the international law of responsibility applicable to international organizations includes both some general rules uh, required by the specific nature of international organizations and uh, some general rules which apply in the sp sphere of the responsibility of states. In particular, two elements prevent a pure transposition on the one hand, the principle of speciality which characterizes and limits the competencies of international organizations, and on the other, the limited concrete resources, including financial resources, which international organizations have available to deal with the obligations resulting from the engagements of their responsibility. These two characteristics uh, explain why the draft articles uh, currently being elaborated by the International Commission on the Responsibility of International Organizations under the uh, lead of Special Rapporteur Professor Giorgio Gaia 
are inspired, these draft articles, are inspired to a very large degree by the articles on responsibility of states for internationally wrongful acts. But nevertheless, those draft articles diverge in certain important respects. The main questions that has been left out in the article on state responsibility and that is considered in the draft article, uh, articles on international organization is the issue of the responsibility of a, a state which is a member of an international organization for a wrongful act committed by the organization has uh, has been explained as is explained in the commentaries of the uh, of uh, Article One of the draft article on responsibility of international organization. It remains the case that the responsibility of an international organization is largely governed by the same general principles which apply to the responsibility of states, and that seen from afar. It has the same general characteristic and is susceptible of the same type of analysis. However, the same is not true in relation to the responsibility of, uh, uh, res uh, of individuals to which I now come. For a long time, both uh, uh, individuals and corporations have been regarded as objects, pure objects of international law. Uh, now, both have acquired legal personality, both active and passive. And this responsibility, responsibility finds its expression in the fact that they may, on the one hand, invoke the responsibility of other subjects of international law uh, on the international place, uh, in certain specific circumstances, essentially in the realm of uh, human rights and um, investment. And on the other, they can be held, individuals at least, can be held accountable for their own internationally wrongful acts. This responsibility shares a common characteristic with that of states and uh, that of international organizations in that its source is a violation of an obligation or of uh, uh, an obligation to, to abstain from certain acts, uh, an obligation arising under international law. However, apart from this, the responsibility of the individuals is markedly different First, it is largely, if not exclusively, criminal. Second, it is implemented by international tribunals, while the, uh, in relation to state, re state responsibility, the intervention of an international court of, or tribunal is exceptional and is entirely dependent upon the consent of the states concerned. And third, it is quite exceptional at the international level, occurring only when, uh, if a, an international criminal tribunal has been created to adjudicate upon its existence, either by treaty or by a resolution of the Security Council. In the absence of 
such a treaty or a resolution, a crime may be defined by an international legal instrument or under customary international or both, for example, piracy, uh, the prohibition of slavery, of racial discrimination, are both uh, treaty law and customary law. But the sanctions of such violations, uh, that is to say the penal implementation of punishment, is left to dom is in general left to domestic courts of states, again when you have no treaty, uh, creating a court. The intrusion of criminal responsibility into international law constitute it constitutes sorry, one of the causes of the loss of the conceptual unity of the notion of responsibility in international law. However, it is not the only such case, and we will now try to, uh, define, to, to define what I would call the objectivization of international responsibility. In effect, Two other elements, both of which show a growing shift in the notion of international responsibility towards objectivization, have contributed greatly to its conceptual fragmentation. First, the traditional analysis, which so damages, so damaged, sorry, as one or, or injury, both terms are uh, equal, I think, are similar. Uh, so the traditional an analysis, so damage or injury as one of the conditions required for international responsibility to arise, uh, this postulate has been profoundly called into question. And second, the requirement of a breach is no longer the sole source of liability in the international legal order although neither the basis upon which this purely objective responsibility arises, nor the entity to which it is owned, have yet been identified, identified and uh, with any clarity. Then first, let's question the traditional definition of responsibility. According to the most widely accepted formulation, uh, and I quote from the commentary to Article 1 of the uh, Articles on State Responsibility. So according to this widely accepted formulation, quote, the term international responsibility covers the new legal relations which arise under international law by reason of the international wrongful, wrong, internationally wrongful act of the state, end of quote. That conception of responsibility has not changed. By contrast, however, the conditions governing the circumstances under which these new legal relations and their content, to use a formulation of uh, uh, part two of the articles, uh, have been the object of a radical reconceptualization of uh, responsibility, a reconceptualization which has resulted from both development in uh, international society and the particular resonance which Roberto Ago, the 
wonderful, uh, extraordinary, magical uh, special rapporteur of the state on state responsibility of the international um, uh, responsibility, so that uh, Roberto Ago gave a, a special resonance to those developments within the context of the codification of the topic uh, of state responsibility by the ILC. The product of that process is a text remarkable for both its conciseness and uh, its scope, uh, their scope, sorry, of Articles 1 and 2 of the Articles on Responsibility of States for Internationally Wrongful Acts adopted by the ILC in 2001 and we, uh, the text of which is annexed uh, to Resolution uh, 5683 of the General Assembly. Those two provisions provide, and I read them slowly because they're extremely important, uh, Article 1. Every internationally wrongful act of a state entails the international responsibility of that state. Every internationally wrongful act of a state entails the international responsibility of that state. And Article 2 on the elements of an internationally wrongful act of a state, quote, there is an internationally wrongful act of a state when conduct consisting of an action or omission, a, is attributable to the state under international law and b constitutes a breach of an international obligation of the state and of quote the most striking feature of this new approach compared to the traditional understanding of the notion of responsibility is the exclusion of damage as a condition for responsibility in order for an internationally wrongful act to engage the responsibility of a state, it is now seen as necessary and sufficient that two elements, breach and attribution, are present. This is certainly not to say that in this system, injury has no role to play. However, it fades into the background at the level not of the triggering of the mechanisms of responsibility, but at the level of the new legal relations which arise from the fact of responsibility as a second uh, stage, uh, some of which, uh, the principle being reparation, are dependent upon injury for their existence without damage or injury, no reparation. But the responsibility of the state or of any uh, subject of international law is still uh, uh, entailed. The ILC explained in a most convincing fashion the elimination of damage as a condition to responsibility in the following words. Quote, if we maintain at all costs that damage is an element in any internationally wrongful act, we are forced to the conclusion that any breach of an international obligation towards another state involves some kinds of injury to that other state. Uh, 
But this is tantamount to saying that the damage which is inherent in any um, uh, internationally wrongful act is the damage which is at the same time inherent in any breach of an international obligation, end of quote. The requirement that there should be a breach of obligation is therefore sufficient. We have then uh, passed from a purely intersubjective conception of responsibility with decidedly civil or private law overtones to a more objective approach. International law, we, we now accept that international law must be respected independently of the consequences of a violation and that any breach entails the responsibility of its author while the content of such responsibility is uh, its concrete effects varies according to whether or not internationally wrongful, the internationally wrongful act has caused damage and according also to the nature of the norm breached. The reconceptualization of international responsibility probably de described as revolutionary bears witness to the relative progress of solidarity in the international society. In a world in which sovereign states uh, were juxtaposed uh, and in which the very notion of an international community has certainly no place, it is understandable that the focus of commentators, one on exclusively on inter interstate relations, and that responsibility was analyzed solely from that perspective. However, such an approach is no longer acceptable when it is admitted that the function of international law is not only to guarantee the independence of states, but also to organize their coexistence and their interdependence. That is a function of the notion of an international community, the interests of which transcend those of the entities uh, of which it is composed, and in relation to which, uh, quote, it is more essential uh, than ever that the rules developed to ensure the ordered progress of relations between its members should be constantly and scrupulously respected, as said the International Court of Justice in the Hostages Court uh, case in 1980. So, uh, are we now arriving towards a truly objective responsibility? Cross-border solidarities are evidenced in other manners in the contemporary world. The gravity of the harm which certain activities made possible by scientific and technological progress may cause to individuals and to the environments leads in the international law, legal order as well as in domestic legal systems to a consideration of whether there exist in both systems strict liability. Such liability is truly 
objective in the sense that its source is not as such the conduct of a subject of international law, but is rather the result arising from an act or mission, whether that result is the uh, occurrence of a risk or simply of the damage. There exist in international law a number of examples uh, of mechanisms of liability of this type. However, all those example, examples possess, possess very uh, special uh, characteristics. Either, on the one hand, they are exclusively treaty-based, for example, in the fields of marine pollution, activities in outer space or civil nuclear activities, or, on the other hand, they result from the polluter-pays principle. But in this latter case, uh, polluter-pays, uh, the, uh, these cases do not affect the state in its role of public authority, and the consequences for the polluter are essentially a matter of domestic law, such that, uh, that it is difficult to present them as new legal relations which arise under uh, international law by reason of an act resulting in responsibility, properly said. In any case, it is impossible to argue that there exists at present a rule of customary international law in relation to strict liability, which plays the same role as Article 1 of the ILC's Article on State Responsibility in relations to a responsibility for breach of an international obligation. You could not say something like uh, any damage resulting from a lawful but potentially dangerous dangerous act authorized by or attributable to a state results in its responsibility. This would be, I think, clearly an un, uh, unsustainable proposition in the sphere of international law. First, such a formulation uh, poses a problem uh, which would be impossible to be resolved given the present state of international law in relation to the definition of dangerous activity and of determination of the threshold, threshold sorry, of gravity of damage necessary for the triggering of responsibility. And second, quite apart from uh, those difficulties, uh, which might be resolved by a political decision, the very principle of such liability is far from being accepted, as was demonstrated by the very inconclusive word carried out by the International Commission on the topic of international liability for injurious consequences arising out of acts not prohibited by international law. Then the, the following conclusions may be drawn from that inconclusive work. First, the strongest reactions from states faced with risks resulting from hazardous activities, even extremely hazardous activities, not prohibited by international law, relate to insistence upon obligations of preventions, preventions incumbent on both operators and states. 
and the violation of those obligations of prevention give rise to responsibility for omission. And second, there is concern as to the provision of compensation uh, for victims of damage caused by such activities. But this is seen as involving the creation of a responsibility of the state for that purpose. The draft principles on the allocation of loss in the case of trans transboundary harm arising from uh, arising out sorry of hazardous activities which was adopted by the ILC in 2006 are limited limited to providing that quote each state should take all necessary measures to ensure that prompt and adequate compensation is available for victim, victims of transboundary damage caused by hazardous activities located within its territory or otherwise under its jurisdiction or control, end of quote. Even if it may be the case that all systems of national law provide for mechanism, mechanisms of objective liability by which the state guarantees compensation for the activities of highly hazardous activities, it nevertheless appears very difficult to derive from that fact any general principles of law applicable in international law. Further, the very laborious formulations used by the ILC by way of paraphrase, of paraphrase throughout its work demonstrates how far the international system is from a system of strict liability, properly so-called. However, it is still possible to discern the first outlines of a soft responsibility with which the use of the term liability in English describes much more faith faithfully than does the uh, unf undifferentiated use of the term responsibility in French or responsabilidad in Spanish. I now come by way of a rather long conclusion uh, to the uh, uh, issue of the characteristics of international responsibility. The profound manner in which our perception of the very concept of state responsibility was called into question by what we could call egoist revolution, uh, based on the name of this uh, extraordinary lawyer who, who, who was uh, Roberto Ago, then uh, this revolution uh, uh, is infinitely more in line with the reality of modern international relations that than was a traditional approach, as well as by the, uh, and this also is, uh, is um, stressed by other developments which international in this area has undergone. Uh, this, these evolutions have two important consequences. First, in French at least, it has resulted in a fragmentation of the vocabulary uh, of the meaning of the single word responsabilité, uh, which is used uh, to describe juridical institutions which are profoundly different. And fortunately, in English, we have two words, responsibility and liability, uh, which describe better the uh, alternative.
Second, although classic state responsibility could be assimilated to responsibility in private or civil law, such an approach is not now anymore possible. In part civil, in part criminal responsibility fulfills functions which are particular to responsibility in the international legal order. Let's have some look first at the both diversity and unity of the concept of international responsibility. For as long as damage played a central role in ascertaining uh, when international responsibility arose, the unity of the notion was assured, or at the least was defensible. Whether discussing responsibility for international wrongful acts or liability for acts not prohibited by international law, damage or injury remained the central trigger of both responsibility and liability and the object of both mechanisms was to ensure reparation, and this whether violation of an obligation or because result had occurred or because uh, an, uh, the damage resulted from an activity involving risk. The elimination of damage as a condition for or the trigger of state responsibility for internationally wrongful act has, however, destroyed that unity. Also, till, still the source of responsibility in the case of liability, in the case of responsibility as a result of a breach, damage is only a factor relevant to certain of the new relations which arise as a result of the incurring of responsibility, properly called, in particular, the obligation to make reparation. For reparation, damage is necessary. But for the entailment of, necess of uh, uh, responsibility, sorry, it is not. As was highlighted uh, by the ILC following the lead of Roberto Ago, quote, being obliged to accept the possible risks arising from the exercise of an activity which is itself lawful and being obliged to face the consequences which are not necessarily limited to compensation of the breach of a legal obligation are two different matters. It is only because of the relative poverty of legal language that the, term ter the same term is habitually used to designate both. Uh, end of quote. However, moving on from the abstract analysis of the concepts of responsibility and liability, to examine the concrete mode of their functioning in the international legal order, certain unifying elements are apparent. First, a failure to comply with the obligations of prevention and reparation by a state or international organization constitutes an international uh, sorry, an internationally wrongful act which takes one back to and triggers the mechanisms of responsibility. Further, in relation to re uh, liability, it is far from being accepted that damage 
is its fundamental basis or source, uh, or source. In this context, it is possible to argue that damage is only a factor entailing the, I would say, implementation of the obligation to make reparation for compensation in particular. While it is a risk and engendered by uh, hazardous activities, which is the foundation of both the preventative and reparative accepts of liability, however uncertain the, later, the latter may be. In any case, even if never expressly stated by the ILC, it is only this analysis which justifies grouping together the two drafts relating on the one hand to prevention of transboundary damage resulting from hazardous activities and on the other concerning the allocation of loss in the case of such damage under the heading of injurious consequences arising out of acts not prohibited by international law. End of, end of title. All the same, those considerations do not permit to re-establish the unity of the notion of international responsibility understood in its broadest sense. The foundations of the two forms which responsibility may take in the international legal order remain distinct. A breach in the case of responsibility, risk in the case of liability. Further, the functioning of the two forms of uh, remains, sorry, of the two forms, responsibility and liability, remains profoundly different, even if it were one day to be accepted. That reparation may be due or compensation, may be due to the international community in the case of damage caused to its own interest by uh, hazardous by hazardous activities, for, ex for instance, by damage to the global commons. If that possibility were to be accepted, liability for risk would share a further common feature with the modern system of responsibility for internationally run food acts. In that case, it would not arise, liability would not arise solely in the bilateral relations between states, but would also be truly international since it would produce consequences for the international community as a whole, even if those consequences would not be of a criminal character. These observations only concern the responsibility and liability of states and international organizations. The acts for which individuals may be responsible in the international legal order are entirely different in nature and in truth, however recent the manifestations of such responsibility may be, it remains much more traditional. Individuals may be, uh, may now in the international legal order engage their criminal responsibility before international criminal tribunals and may also, at least in certain cases, for instance, before the International Criminal Court, incur civil responsibility. This development is, of course, yet another element of the, in the fragmentation of the law of international responsibility, which we will see now 
uh, that it is neither civil nor criminal. Traditionally, the international responsibility of the state was presented as being of a civil or private law character. This was entirely intellectually acceptable insofar as state responsibility did not call into question anything other than, I would say, interpersonal, interpersonal relations, even if it had always been accompanied by foreseeable methods of implementation, namely the institution of reprisals, now reborn under the name of countermeasures. Such methods of implementation had as their only goal, or at least were conceived as having as their only goal, goal sorry, the forced performance of the obligation of reparation and of compensation, and did not con constitute a punishment for breach of international law. Conversely, for Kelsen, Responsibility, quote, is, may, is made up of specific sanctions under international law, that is, reprisals and war, which, end of quote, which could be seen as having a penal connotation. However, Kelsen's analysis was based on the debatable postulate that law is a system of, of coercion with the inevitable result that his analysis considered responsibility at the international level as being a sanction. And I quote again, starting from the idea that the legal order is a coercive order, this view sees the authorization accorded to the injured state to apply coercion to the offending state by way of sanction, precisely as the sole legal consequence flowing directly from the wrongful act." End of quote. Although uh, these postulates are open to criticism, this position at least has the merit of demonstrating that the obligation to make reparation is not the sole consequence of the incurring of responsibility. The opening of the faculty of recourse to countermeasure is another. However, Hans Kelsen did not derive from that state responsibility, uh, from, from this analysis, that state responsibility was criminal. In a much quoted passage, the, he underlined the country, stating, and I'd quote again, in international law, responsibility is neither civil nor criminal, in, uh, end of quote. In reality, it is a coexistence and mixing of these two aspects, civil and criminal, which give to international responsibility the characteristic which are distinctly its own and which render any assimilation with those notions in domestic law both dangerous, I think, and open to question. In fact, According to a formulation of Professor Aranjo Ruiz, another formal special rapporteur of responsibility in the ILC, international liability, in fact, he meant responsibility, international responsibility presents civil and criminal elements. Civil, 
because responsibility in the great majority of cases involves the making of reparation due from one subject of law to another. Uh, and also because uh, the adoption of uh, uh, counter measures are anything but the substitute for specific performance in a legal order uh, in which the judiciary and the public authorities intervene only exceptionally. So countermeasures has no criminal connotation. But the, uh, the, 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 the international responsibility has criminal connotation to the extent that responsibility and and of itself constitute a sanction for a breach of the law as a definition uh, contained in Article 1 of the Article on Responsibility uh, of States makes very clear. In the same way that a driver who jumps a red, light, uh, a red light incurs responsibility by reason of the sole fact that he has not complied with the re relevant law, even if he has caused no damage, so a state which breaches one of its obligations under international law incurs responsibility independently of an injur injury which may result for another state sin since it is in the interests of the international community as a whole that international law should be respected. As a consequence of the consolidation, even if only embryonic, of solidarity in, in the international society, the system of international responsibility has, to this small extent at least, become similar to systems of domestic law. However, such an analogy cannot be pushed too far. It is of the essence of criminal sanctions that they are pronounced by a court. However, neither states nor international organizations are subject to the compulsory jurisdiction of any form of judge. Then, although there exist mechanisms of sanction in international law, for example, uh, in Chapter 7 of the Charter of the United Nations, even if the term is not expressly used, they are aimed, these sanctions are aimed at uh, ensuring the maintenance of international peace and security, and not at all at ensuring respect for the rules of international law as such, even if it may be argued that, in fact, certain states have been the object of punitive sanctions for having gravely violated international rules of fundamental importance. That was the case with Germany after the two world wars, or Iraq after its invasion of Kuwait in 1990. Those measures from, form part of the law of collective security and not part of the law of international responsibility. And they served in the current state of international law. The consequences resulting from the objectivization of responsibility remain extremely limited. Even if the provisions of the ILC's articles devoted to serious breaches of obligations under peremptory norms of general international law are gravely deficient, 
It is significant that they foresee collective reactions to breaches, while Article 48 opens a possibility that states other than the injured state may, under certain circumstances, invoke the responsibility of the other of an internationally wrongful act. Despite their extreme caution in this re regard, it remains that the case that the ILC's articles on responsibility, have the great merit of demonstrating, even if they do so in an extremely insufficient manner from my point of view, then of demonstrating that in addition to the breach of obligations of bilateral interest, there exist in contemporary international law, to use the abundant formula of uh, draft article 19 in the uh, responsibility uh, of states uh, domain, there exists a class of international obligations, quote, so essential for the protection of fundamental interests of the international community that their breach attracts a regime of aggravated responsibility and the penal elements of which are certainly more apparent than in the case in relation to the ordinary responsibility occurred by states as a result of a normal internationally wrongful act. However, those elements are not sufficient to change the nature of the whole of international responsibility, nor even to conclude that the regime of aggravated responsibility is in truth of a penal nature. Uh, without doubt, the ILC was correct to abandon during the process of second reading uh, of its uh, draft article on state responsibility, the misleading penal vocabulary which marked certain provisions of the draft adopted in first reading in 1996. The objectivization of responsibility for internationally wrongful acts which results from the excision, excision or excision, I don't know in English, of damage as a precondition for responsibility is at the origin of a transformation of the function, uh, the, the very function of uh, which responsibility is called upon to fulfill in an international society which has less of a purely interstate characteristics and is better integrated than formerly. The international law of responsibility has dis distanced itself from the civil law model which previously characterized it and no longer plays solely the role of a compensatory mechanism to which it was for a long time confined. It is now also, and perhaps mainly, a mechanism having as its function the condemnation of breaches by subject of international law of their legal obligations and the restoration of international legality respect for international law being a matter in which the international community as a whole has an interest. Many provisions 
of the article on responsibility of states for internationally wrongful acts reflects this new and newly discovered, I would say, function of responsibility, whether they relate to the continued duty of performance of the obligation breached, this is Article 29 of the Articles, the obligation of the responsible, responsible state to seize the repetition of the breach, this is Article 30, or the possibility open to states uh, uh, open to states other than the injured states to invoke, within certain limits, the responsibility arising from the violation of the law, and this is Article 48 of the Articles. Similarly, it may be considered that the strengthening of the obligations relating to the conduct of states in relation to hazardous activities equally represents a, a conception of international of the international society and of the law applicable to it, which is representative of greater solidarity and commun communitarism at the international level. Thank you very much.